Ramble. If I offered you two different pairs of jeans and I told you that you can only wear one of them, you could probably decide in two seconds. But what if I offered you a thousand pairs of jeans and they're all slightly different and I said you can only wear one of these for the next 12 months straight. This will be your go-to pant of choice. What are you going to do? How do you even start to choose? That's exactly what I felt like when I was combing through thousands of listings whenever we were moving to a new apartment. I would spend hours a day stressing about, is this apartment in a good neighborhood? Is it going to accommodate my dogs? Does it fit my budget? I didn't know any of these. And the worst part is most of the listings didn't even tick all of my boxes. That is why Apartments.com is your best place to look for your new home. Apartments.com lets you filter your search based on whether you have pets, if you want a balcony, built-in AC, whatever it is that you're looking for. The website remembers your search so that you don't have to keep filtering every time you come back. And Apartments.com has more rental listings than anywhere else, meaning no matter how specific your needs are, they got you. And your instant alerts mean that you can spend less time online looking for the perfect place and more time doing you. So if you're looking for a new place to call home, head over to Apartments.com, apartments.com, the place to find a place. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to this week's mini soda of Rotten Mango. I'm your host, Stephanie Sue, and I just have a question. Have you guys heard of the farmer and the snake? It's a fable, a tale as old as time, really. It goes something like this. There once was a farmer, and he's walking through his field during one of the coldest winters that he had ever experienced. And as he's walking, he spots a snake. The snake was frozen stiff, hard as a rock in the cold. I mean, the farmer's looking at this snake and he realizes this is an incredibly deadly type of snake. But he felt so bad. This poor snake had no shelter. I mean, it was one of the coldest winters. So he picked up that little snake, put it into the inside of his jacket to warm him up with his own body heat. After a little while, he felt the snake stirring, moving. The snake slowly woke up, gathered enough strength, and was able to look up at the kind man that had been so compassionate to save his life. He couldn't help it. He was a snake, after all. So he bit him. And the farmer drops to the ground, knowing that he's going to die. And as he's laying there, his last words were, Learn from my fate. Do not take pity on a scoundrel. Now, this tale has been taught for centuries to teach humans the lessons of betrayal. I think that's one of the first story we learned in school. Uh, Are you serious? In school in this China. is very yeah. cynical. <laughs> you know, they tell you that not everyone is worth helping. Sometimes your kindness is undeserving and it might just come back to bite you in the butt. That's the lesson that they're teaching. And you're probably thinking, Stephanie, this is, this is very skeptical and this is not a good outlook on life. Snakes are cold-blooded, but humans, I mean, we're not reptiles, we're different. We're compassionate creatures. Why should we abide by these archaic, cynical thoughts, right? Well, this case might make you think otherwise. The time was around midnight. There was a chill in the air. It was quiet, very quiet. The two best friends now turned roommates. Neither of them were talking. They were on their way to their apartment. They were in the hallway, right about to get to their unit. And it just didn't feel appropriate. It was too quiet. They just focused on getting into their unit. G was walking behind her roommate. And she starts hearing these footsteps behind her. And they're heavy, like they belong to a man. So she starts picking up her pace. So did the steps behind her. So it, it gets to the point where the two girls literally book it towards their unit. G's roommate unlocks the door, steps inside, and now G is about to step her foot in the door when her roommate pushes her back into the hallway 
and locks the door. With nothing separating these two best friends and roommates but a door and a lock, G was murdered right outside their apartment door. Who killed her? Why did her roommate lock the door? Did she know something like this was going to happen? And why did the roommate send Ducknet to G's mom after her murder? This is probably one of the most controversial cases that has taken place in China. And there's so much conversation around it on Chinese social media. As always, full show notes are available at RottenMangoPodcast.com. But I do want to mention that a lot of these sources are um, Chinese. I had to get a lot of them transcribed professionally just so that I could make this mini-sode happen. And it's intense. If you guys are Chinese speakers, please let me know if I got anything mixed up. Maybe something was lost in translation. But I did ask my fiancé a ton of questions. Chinese is his first language. So if there was any confusion, I tried to clear it up. But it is a really complicated case. Mm-hmm. Even with without the language barrier. This is, there's so many different opinions, so many different moving parts, so many he said, she said, and it's so controversial and you're going to get riled up. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how you're not going to get triggered by this case. So if you're driving to work, be careful. I warned you, okay? Don't get road rage. So let's start with the three main people involved. Now, what's fascinating is that these three people, they're born in China, raised there, but somehow they meet in a different country where the murder takes place. So the first is Chen Shifeng, and uh, we're going to call him Chen. He was born in the Shanxi province Mm -hmm. and uh, in a village. Honestly, this village wasn't doing well. It was super remote. Most of the population in this village was very poor. And Chen grew up living in a, they call it a three-hole cave dwelling. So he grew up living in this really small town and uh, his entire house was like surrounded by overgrown grass and it, it's not like a beautiful cottage if that's what you're thinking. Like it's it's rough. So Chen was the third child born into his family, which sounds like, okay, what's so big about that? That was a huge deal back then. This was during China's one child policy. So if it was known that his family had yet again another child because they weren't even supposed to have their second child, but mm-hmm. the fact that they had a third child, they would be forced to pay a huge sum Mm -hmm. to the government, like a lot of money, like, hey, sorry, I have this child. And this family obviously did not have the money for that. So as a response to this, his parents, they just kept hiding him everywhere. Sometimes, I mean, why are you laughing? (laughs) No, um, because my sister. Oh, yeah. So his sister was born during the China's one child policy. So there's, you know, we've experienced that. Did she hide? Yeah, my, when my mom was pregnant, yeah, she was hiding. Your mom was hiding? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, please explain this a little bit because I tried to look online and I didn't want someone who didn't experience it themselves to be my research, right? Yeah, so this is obviously back in the days. Now they encourage more kids, yes. but people are like, nah, we're good. <laughs> we're okay. They're yeah. actually not that great. Yeah. Okay, quick question. Why are they hiding? Is it because there's government officials everywhere yes. or is it because like your neighbors might feel so, pressured to... Well, for my mom's situation, like my mom's neighbor, they actually knew, but none of mm-hmm. them kind of went out there and say, hey, she's pregnant, you know, mm-hmm. with the second child. So basically, if the child is born, then you just pay a fine because the child's already here. But it's be- usually at the, at the time that you're just getting pregnant is when they oh. will say, hey, maybe you should consider abortion. Sometimes uh, I heard stories, it's a little more aggressive. Then you, know? you should consider it. Yeah, but... Right. um. Yeah, so my mom was hiding for a long period okay. of time, like kind of just kind of like not going out in the public, showing her belly. They had a very small clothing shop 
back okay. in the days. Mm-hmm. So my mom was pregnant. She was the only one in the shop, and I she was pregnant, and I was running around in the shop. <laughs> and then by chance, a government official just kind of walked in. So when they walked in and they see you're pregnant and another child, child running around, they're like, um, whose child is that? So she's like, I don't know. Oh my gosh, she was so scared. She was like, that's my, that's my nephew. And just by chance, they believed her. Wow. So she's, she's saying that was one of the scariest moments <gasps> because, you know, that could be the moment that Tiffany's no longer here. Oh my God. Okay. That just got so dark. We're yeah. laughing about it, but we're not actually laughing. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. This is intense. That just kind of gives you some context into how bad it was. I mean, he was truly being hidden. It was pretty high stress. It wasn't just, oh, like you just have to pay a fine, like come pay this parking ticket. It was rough. And I think that his parents really did a horrible job at this. So whereas for your family, like Tiffany was born, I'm sure you guys paid the fine. And Tiffany was like this well-adjusted, well-loved child. Well, for Chen, it wasn't like that. His parents from the outside, people said, no, they're sweet. They're so caring. They're good people. They're patient. They're nice. Honestly, they're pretty humble. This is how a ton of people described them. But they had this like pent up anger and they just hid it from the world and they would come home and take it out on their kids nonstop. Not only was Chen being constantly neglected and it made him emotionally unstable, but he became this almighty raging narcissist practically. He just had a lot going on emotionally. So as he starts growing up, he just kind of wanted someone to take care of him. That was his main goal. He wanted to meet someone, whether it be a friend or a partner in life, that would just shower him with love, would pamper him, and honestly satisfy every single expectation that he ever had. He wanted a caretaker above everything. But at the same time, now this is where it gets weird, at the same time, Chen was obsessed with control. He wanted to be in charge of everything. He was incredibly paranoid all the time. And he felt like if it wasn't done his way, you're not doing it the right way. So by the time that Chen goes to college, he was uh, just a fantastic joy to be around. And I say that sarcastically because this guy was just arrogant. He was narcissistic. And I'm sure a lot of it came from the fact that he was considered pretty handsome. Now, if you didn't know his personality, well, you might call him charming. Like, you know, he's got a little bit of charisma when you first meet him. You're like, wow, this guy's really articulate. He's eloquent. He's got this vibe. It works. He's good socially. He's good with girls. Like a lot of girls liked him and he was popular, but he wasn't like this strange, arrogant bully. He was kind of like that arrogant school jock that was so confident that it was almost charming. He was the headmaster of his class, like the head boy. And he just, he had all of this going for him. But inside, deep inside his soul, it said that he had an angry baby. That's what all the sources say. They said in his soul was this angry baby just waiting to get out, just waiting to throw a tantrum. So the minute that he was ever criticized for anything in school, in his friend group, it's like this monster would just come out. And he felt like his ego was directly connected with his sense of worth. So if you think like, oh, I don't like your shoes today, he would genuinely think about that all week long and just would get riled up. He felt like he was better than everyone else. Why are you criticizing me when I'm better than all of you? He was almighty. He thought that everybody should follow his lead. But if you ever questioned him, I mean, he would just blow up. So for example, 
he gets his first official serious girlfriend ever in college. And uh, she decides to break up with him after a year of dating. I don't know why. I don't even know if that's important. But he just seems so upset about it at this point. He just couldn't believe it. So he starts stalking his ex to her dorm every single night. And then one of those nights, he starts calling her. Hey, you got to come downstairs. I got to talk to you. Come downstairs. Let's just talk about it. Come on, be a woman. Like, we got to face to face. Talk to me. So she's like, oh, this is really annoying. I don't want to talk to him, but how bad could it be? I dated this guy for a year. I'm going to go down there and say, no, it's really over. And then we're going to come upstairs and I'm going to cry, right? She gets downstairs and he thought, he thought that as long as they're face to face, that he could convince her, you're going to be with me, right? You love me. We can make this work. I'll be nicer to you. But she just, she did not think that way at all. Instead of, you know, getting to this point where she was like, oh my God, I'm so dumb for breaking up with you. Like, please come back with me. She was just getting pissed off. Stop following me. Stop being so clingy. Just let it go. I told you it's over. Move on. And every little diss, every little word that she was saying, and probably it wasn't even unwarranted or rude. She was just trying to get her point across. He wasn't getting it. He wasn't letting her break up with him. And every single word she said, he said it felt like a stab. And that little baby ego, that little angry baby inside of him just wanted to do something about it. Just had to. So he looked around. There's nobody. It's pretty late at night. There's no students walking around. But just in case, he says, okay, well, come here. And he grabs his ex-girlfriend by the arm and he forcibly drags her into the little trees nearby. So this is like a little bushy area. And uh, I'm sure you could hear things and I'm sure it's not like the middle of the woods, but it's still hidden in darkness. He drags her in there and starts kicking her in the stomach. It was with so much force that she falls over. She hits her head on a rock and he's screaming at this point. He doesn't even care at this point because people are going to walk by and listen. He's screaming, who the f*** do you think you are? Out of all things, that's what he's screaming. I think that's like really telling. So he starts slapping her around. She's crying for help, struggling to stand back up. And finally, she gets up on her feet and starts running away. Now, for some reason, tell me why. Even after she reported this to the administration, because they go to the same college. So it's not like, hey, this random dude beat me up. It's not like, hey, this random college student from a different school beat me up, which even then, I mean, the police should be doing something about it. But this is the same school. They did nothing. The administrators were like, well, what were you wearing? Maybe your stomach looked really kickable. No, I'm kidding. But I'm sure they said something along those lines of like, are you sure he doesn't just like you? Are you sure you didn't say anything to like piss him off? So Chen, he's happy. He's like, I'm getting away with it. He realizes I'm handsome. I'm smart. I'm well liked by most people. I can use this to my advantage. I can get away with things that I never really thought that I could. So that's what's going on in Chen's life. At the same time, another person is going through her college days. There was a girl named Zhang Ge who was born. And I'm going to call her G because my fiance says my Chinese pronunciation is below bottom of the barrel. Like <laughs> he will literally poke his eyeballs out if I keep pronouncing her name throughout the rest of this show. So we're going to call her baby G. She was the first born to her parents. And G's dad was not a nice person at all, it seems. He yelled at his wife because they had a daughter. Because, you know, that's definitely all the wife's fault. Gotta love when people who know nothing about nothing just get angry for some reason. So he's mad at G's mom. Like, how dare you? This is our firstborn. It should be a son. Blah, blah, blah. And on top of that, he's accusing G's mom of cheating. So a lot of people think that she didn't cheat, but he would. He just wanted a reason to divorce her mm. because that she had a daughter. 
And he didn't like that. And it was really bad. Her community did not take divorce lightly. It was considered incredibly scandalous. But G's mom, she was, she had some thick skin. She did not care. And I think it was the fact that she became a mom. So all she cared about in life was her daughter. So she worked hard every single day, ignored every single little snide comment about her divorce, about being a single mom with a daughter, because you know, a son is a better provider, blah, blah, blah. She was ignoring all of it. And she would just, every single morning, she would rush to buy fabric in bulk, come home and make clothes all day, every single day, and would try to sh- sell them at the local like night market every single weekend. Wow. And it was, it was really rough. For years, she was so focused on her job and her child, she never really dated, never really had time for herself. And like Chen, Ji grew up super poor, but she was really happy. She loved spending time with her mom and they were kind of all each other had. She was a really lovable baby and she was a loved baby. Her mom raised her right and she was always taught, even at a super young age, you need to be self-reliant because look at what happened to me. I relied on a man. Don't you ever dare depend on anybody else. And on top of that, you need to help people when they're in trouble. So she's raised with like this principle. She was such a sweet person. That's what everybody said. She had this immense sense of justice and responsibility. She just had a way where she envisioned a world where everything would be morally correct. You know, she was one of those people. And later she was described to be a very graceful person as she grew up. She looked refined and very put together. Like if you see pictures of her, she looks very, you know, she looks very comforting. She, but she was also the first one to jump up and give you like the biggest bear hug if you haven't seen her in a while. So it's not like she was cold. She was actually very, very warm. So her mom even called her a naughty little monkey because uh, she was year of the monkey in the Chinese Zodiac. Same as She was actually born the same year as you, 1992. In college, Ji showed a lot of promise in Japanese studies. So she's growing up in China and she's doing like really studying Japanese culture. She loved anime. So that's kind of how she got into it. And that's where her passion was. She even scored the highest on the very difficult Japanese language proficiency test. So her mom was like, wow, what what do you want to do with this? Like you're killing it. What do you want to do? She's like, this is going to sound crazy. And I know, I know the only people that ever study abroad are rich people. I get it. But I really, really want to study abroad in Japan. And so G's mom thought about it. And she realized that the only way to make this happen was to sell her house, gather as much money as possible, her whole life savings, and send G to Japan. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. And honestly, the two were mocked by their, quote, friends and family. I say, quote, because are they really that nice then? They would make fun of them and they would say things like, they're so poor, but they try to be wealthy, like the wealthy upper class and send your kid abroad. What are they doing? Are they insane? You're just trying to give your child a better life. What is that? So G's mom, she didn't care. She just wanted G to be happy and pursue her dreams. So what if everybody talks crap about her behind her back? She doesn't care. And G would go to Japan and she would call her mom every day and tell her, mom, it's amazing here. When I become successful, I'm going to bring you out to Japan and we're going to live here. And G's mom would smile. And honestly, she was excited because she knew her daughter's work ethic. She was like, I know without a shadow of doubt, my kid is going to make something of herself. So you know what? I am going to be in Japan one day. Like that's how she felt. So that's what's going on with G. And then the last piece of this really complicated puzzle is a woman by the name of Liu Shen. Liu Xin. Liu Xin. 
And uh, I'm going to call her Liu. And she was born in a village in China as well. She was definitely not from a rich family, but more from a relatively financially okay family than the other two. She was also very pampered. So even though her parents weren't super wealthy, she was kind of spoiled. She grew up under a lot of good care and it kind of led her to be a little bit sheltered. She was the type of kid in college that I think you really start seeing how sheltered people are in college and even after college because the ones that just depend on their parents for everything still, like the ones that are like, hey, mom, I don't even know how to set up this water bill. Can you like help me out? Right. She was kind of one of those kids. And even later when her parents were like, you need to grow up. We can't keep doing this for you she would kind of move that responsibility onto her boyfriends. And she definitely took more of a submissive role in most relationships in her life, in the sense that she just didn't really like making decisions. It's not that she wasn't a strong personality. She was actually a pretty strong person. She just, she really liked to take care of these things. Mm. So if someone was like, hey, this is what we're eating, she'd be like, okay, sounds good, right? She was just kind of dependent. She didn't want to be independent. It's not that, that she couldn't be because she was a very strong personality. It's just she didn't care for it. So how do they all find each other in Japan? Well, G is in Japan and in 2013, Chen finds himself a job in Thailand. He was there to teach calligraphy at the Confucius Institute. And he was actually a very popular teacher amongst the students. He gets back to China afterwards. So I would imagine it was like maybe a year or two that he's out there and he tries to get a job back in China. But he feels that none of these jobs on the market are good enough for him. He thinks that for what he's offering, he needs to be paid a lot more. And uh, his time is being wasted, so why even work? And he goes back to the institute, the Confucius Institute, and he says, please, is there any way for me to receive the same pay but in Japan? I want to go back to school in Japan. I want to go on a student visa. So he gets accepted into the Kyushi Language School in Japan. And the institute says, okay, fine. Since you're finishing up your studies, we will go ahead and pay you that same amount as long as you teach on the side. So now the problem that Chen had was he's literally there on a visa and he actually had to learn so that he could stay longer. He actually had to not fail his classes and he needed this money. So he starts kind of cozying up to this teacher and he gives really strong teacher's pet vibes. And the teacher introduces Chen to a very old 70-year-old lady. And the teacher's like, yeah, this woman can teach you Japanese so that you can, you know, graduate school and do great. But instead, Chen had this old woman just wrapped around his finger. He convinced what? this woman to become essentially a pseudo mom in Japan. He, she was actually his guarantor for his apartment. He, she even helped him move. She invited him over to dinner all the time. She fed him. Oh, and she paid his whole tuition at one point. What? So it just goes to show Chen is an incredibly pushy, incredibly demanding person who's great at manipulating people into doing what he wants them to do. Now, I honestly don't know how he talked her into such a thing. Maybe she was feeling generous. Maybe he had duped her or that he was just good at manipulating people. I don't know. But it seems like a mixture of all of them. So he's going to school and G is actually in the same language academy. And she gets paired up with a new roommate, Liu. And they were from the same... Liu. 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 And they were from the same, same Shandong province. So they immediately bonded. Like, isn't this crazy? We're in Japan and there's so many international students. We get paired up with not just someone who's from China too and speaks the same language, native, like speaks the same first language, but also from the same province. And they instantly start connecting. And they're like, wow, well, where, where were you from? They find out that they actually went to the same middle school. 
Wow. That their houses were less than 20 miles away from one another's. So this is like an instant bond, instant sisterhood at this college. Leo immediately loved being G's friend. And I think it was because G was really responsible. Like I said, she was incredibly reliable. She was out here trying to study. She's trying to bring her mom out. She wasn't someone who had time or the privilege to goof around. And Leo, she did. And she liked that G was there to kind of guide her, kind of do all the hard stuff that a roommate have to. And she would almost be like a little sister. So she'd like cry on the bed and be like, I can't do that. Like, I can't do that. And then G would just do it for her. And they quickly became best friends. I think that it was honestly more about feeling at home at this point. And G does take on this older sister role. So the two of them, they graduate from their language school. G is admitted into the University of Political Science and Law. Yeah, she really had like a sense of justice about her. She was going to go on to do amazing things. Liu was admitted to a different college, Daito Bunka University. And, um, you know, it's they're kind of kind of split up at this point. So they take pictures of the graduation. They're holding hands. They're really close. They promise to stay in touch. But of course, it's a lot easier said than done. Also at this graduation was a man named Chen. Yeah, that Chen. And he was ecstatic because he had just been accepted into Daito Banka University, the same one as Liu. Now, at this university, Chen happens to run into Liu by chance, and he was instantly attracted. I mean, it was clear that she was a very dependent person. She didn't like making decisions. She just wanted someone to take care of her. And Chen loved this. I want someone to boss around. I want someone to look at me and ask me about everything and ask me what they should do. And I just want to play God. I want this person, his partner, to just soak in everything I have to say and think it's the most magnificent thing that's ever been thought of in this world. Chen was not nurturing. God, no. But he just wanted someone to hype him up, hype up his ego. And that's what he thought Leo could do. Liu, on the other hand, also really liked Chen. Not for those reasons, but she thought that he was really gentle, really polite, or at least that was his voice when they first met. So they start dating and things start moving rather quickly. June of 2016, they move in together and Chen is working part-time at a convenience store. Liu is working at a Chinese restaurant. So at first, they're super happy. They're just trying to make things work. There's that, you know, freshness of this relationship that's happening. But slowly... Leo starts getting overwhelmed. I love meal deliveries. In fact, I love everything about having my meals delivered straight to my doorstep, except the delivery fees. That's why I signed up for the Dash Pass, an exclusive membership from DoorDash that lets you make an unlimited amount of fee-free orders for eligible orders. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, groceries from across town, or anything in between, the Dash Pass can get you $0 deliveries and lower service fees on eligible orders. That means you can easily save money at your favorite restaurants and grocery stores the dash pass practically pays for itself in two orders on average the math is mathing plus dash pass gives you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items and all of this for only $9.99 a month open the door to zero dollar delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else sign up for dash pass today only on doordash and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member subject to change terms apply 
When I was in high school, I had this ritual every day after coming home from school. I would grab a salty snack, sit down, watch my favorite mystery drama on TV. And recently, I discovered the adult version of that, which at the end of the workday, I grab salt and vinegar chips, snuggle up on the couch, and I play June's Journey. June's Journey is a hidden objects mystery game that makes me feel like I'm living inside of a mystery TV show that is very immersive. You play as Detective June Parker, and you just found out that your sister and husband were murdered. The This is a fictional story. So you fly from London to New York to investigate, but the clues are just not adding up. So you get to go through these series of scenes from the mansion living room to a lavish garden to a 1920s style New York cafe. In each room, you have to find hidden objects that help you solve the mystery of your sister's death. And in the meantime, a whole lot of unexpected, just scandalous twists are going to happen. There's family secrets, danger, there's romance. I love traveling all over the world with June. Currently, I'm exploring Paris in the 1920s because the game is set in the 1920s it just has the most aesthetic game design ever and it's so cozy whenever i need a break from the suspense i can pause the story and head over to my private island yeah they give you a private island and you get to customize it however you want for you i love cottage core mixed with that old money vibe with a huge mansion and a luxurious garden and even like this train rail june's journey is the best way to unwind at the end of a long day or just to take a break in the middle of the day when i feel overwhelmed i can escape all of my problems and turn into detective june discover your inner detective when you download june's journey for free today on ios and android chen is constantly on her like where are you why aren't you home yet why are you at work who are you talking to at work She's like, whoa, 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 I can't even breathe. Like, sure, I want someone who is reliable that I can depend on and lean on during hard times, but I feel suffocated and this seems kind of crazy. Like, you gotta you gotta chill it down, tone it down. He also constantly picked fights with her. So Leo just decided, I can't be with someone that's filled with all this paranoia and rage, right? So she tries to break up with him multiple times and he keeps just bringing her back in, just reeling her in. I'm sure it's the same abusive, toxic stuff that's said all the time. Like, I'm going to change. I'll do better. But August 25th of 2016, they officially broke up. Now, the reason that they broke up is oddly terrifying. So get this. The two of them are hanging out at home. And Chen says, all right, Leo, time to go to sleep. So this is a couple. They sleep in the same bed, right? Mm -hmm. Let's go to sleep. But Leo was like, oh, I'm not really sleepy right now. I think I'm going to stay up and like do some other things. Like maybe I'll study. Maybe I'll watch TV. Just have some alone time. And Chen was like, what? You're not going to go to sleep? And he grabs her by the wrist, stares at her in silence. And his grip on her wrist is getting tighter and tighter and she said that there was just pure evil in his eyes like she knew that he was gonna hurt her she knew it so this creeped her out she said i can't do this anymore she let go she snatched her wrist from his grip she called her boss from the chinese restaurant as she's running out of the apartment like please can you please come pick me up like i don't know what to do she called the police afterwards and chen he had a big ego he didn't want to show the police his true self so he was like i don't know what she's talking about She's being a little crazy and he just let her go. So for a night or two, Leo spends her time at her boss's house, just crashing on his couch. But she started to feel bad. Like, what if this guy fires me because I'm being really annoying? So she moved into another coworker's house. Meanwhile, Chen is just nonstop trying to contact her. He's upset. He cannot, for the life of him, understand, how dare you leave me? I just wanted you to have a good sleep schedule. Like, what's going on with you? And he would later tell his friends how pissed off he was because... 
Well, this is how he describes his relationship with Leo and literally everyone else. He says, I love being in relationships with girls for sex and I like that I can show off girls like on my arm. Like if a girl is pretty, I just show her off and then I break up with them when I get bored. But how dare she break up with me? Like that's so dumb. I guess uh, I guess if he gets broken up with, he realizes how inferior he is when he gets dumped. So anyway, Lil feels like she's overstaying her visit just everywhere. Like all of her coworkers are starting to feel a little uncomfortable. She starts feeling like she's a burden and she doesn't want to mix this type of association with her workplace. So then she remembers her former best friend. Gee, sure, she's at a different college, but... I mean, it's pretty close. Maybe I could reach out to her and I wouldn't have reached out to her unless it was like super important. So she calls G and of course G is like, yes, absolutely. You, why? That's not even a question. If you were in an abusive relationship and you need some shelter, well, how could I say no? Come on over right now. I miss you. So she gets to G's place and the place was tiny. So remember, G has no money, right? I mean, it was less than square, seven square meters, which Google is telling me that's about 80 square feet. So it's, it's tiny. Lil gets there. She's like, oh, this is fine. And she tells G everything about how abusive Chen is, not just emotionally, but physically. And G, this, you know, very wonderful woman with this sense of justice is getting riled up. She's getting pissed for Lil. She's like, are you kidding? What's wrong with men? And, you know, she's saying all these things of like, this is abusive. He's never going to change. This is despicable. He needs to be put in prison before he can do this to another woman. You know, she's going off on that rant. What she didn't know is that Lil was agreeing with her. But slowly and surely, as the days pass, Lil was talking to Chen behind G's back. I don't know. Maybe she was terrified of him. Maybe she still loved him. I don't know. And he kept asking for her to come back to him and she, she was hesitating. So G finds out about this and she sits Lou down and says, whatever you do, do not get back with this guy. He's no good for you. It's never going to stop being bad. They don't change. He's only saying this right now because he wants you back. He's not going to change. So she tries to help her best friend, but Lou couldn't help it. She kept entertaining Jen. She kept talking to him. And she even told him everything G said. She was no. like, I know I shouldn't be talking to you. Even my friend G thinks like you're never going to change. So she was phrasing it like that. Like even my friend thinks you're never going to change, blah, blah, blah. And Chen said, oh, well, she makes a point. Like just kind of, you know, not being aggressive. But the sound of G's name after this grated his ears, made him want to just rip off his ears until they bled. He just hated G. He just felt like G is off on the side ruining everything. She was the reason that Lou kept hesitating. She was the one influencing Lou. So oddly enough, he even hated that every time that they broke up, Leo would go to G's house and G would do all the cooking and cleaning and it seemed like Leo was getting dependent on her and to him that was disgusting. So anyway, November 2nd of 2016 rolls around and this was another rough patch in Chen and Lou's relationship. So he follows her to G's place without her knowing, essentially stalking her and... Um, she gets into the apartment. G is not home. She's alone. Mm -hmm. And suddenly there's banging on the door. She looks through the people. It's Chen demanding to come in and, you know, drag her out. You got to be with me. So she's terrified. What is going on? Like, he's definitely going to get abusive. So she calls G and says, what do I do? What do I do? I'm so scared. G's like, you have to call the police. Mm -hmm. No, 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 I can't. 
I don't want everyone to know that I live here. If the police find out, we're going to be arrested because it's illegal for us to share a room together in this type of building. Like it's, there's like a maximum occupancy. This is definitely one of those buildings where it's more like a hostel maybe where everyone gets like one single room and it's 80 square feet. I guess legally fine. It kind of makes sense. But G was like, I still think you should call the police. I can't, I can't, I can't call the police. So G rushes home and she's met by Chen banging on her apartment door and she gives him a piece of her mind. She tells him off, you're harassing my friend. This is my home, not yours, not hers. And if you don't leave, I will be forced to call the police on you. So Chen starts arguing back, Liu's screaming through the door, like, calm down, everyone, right? And after seeing Chen leaves, Ji goes inside and she feels satisfied. Like, Liu, are you okay? Are you okay? Liu's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just glad he's gone. So the two girls, they decide, okay, well, we got stuff to do. Ji has to go back to school and study because she dropped everything to come save Liu. Liu has to go to the restaurant to start her shift and they leave together. Liu had no idea that Chen was stalking her all the way to work. He never really left the apartment building. He was just lurking in the shadows. So around 5.04 p.m., the anger was just too much for Chen. He WeChatted Liu and said, I will leak all of your nude photos if you don't get back together with me. Liu lied and texted him that she had a new boyfriend. I can't do this because I have a new boyfriend and it doesn't even matter anymore. 6 p.m. rolls around and Chen stood outside Liu's work door, the restaurant door, refusing to leave. So Liu sees this. She goes to the back and begs a male coworker, please just pretend to be my boyfriend, please. Maybe it'll give Chen the closure that he needs. Maybe if there's another man involved, he'll realize like, oh, do I really want to get into like an altercation with this man? Just please. So they go outside and this male coworker is like, yeah, I'm the new boyfriend. And Chen is like, no. You're going to come with me. Like you, you and I are going to get back together. And the male coworker is like, hell no, this is my girlfriend now. Now, for whatever reason, Chen got it into his mind that G found her a new boyfriend. So he's like, did G set this up? Were you guys introduced through G? And they're like, what? what are you talking about? But he's like, oh, it's always her fault. She did this to humiliate me. She did this because she doesn't like me. She wants me to feel humiliated and ashamed. This is all because of G. So Chen leaves the restaurant and he texts Liu an hour later, if you keep dating him, I'm going to do something reckless. No response. Then another text to Liu. How long have you guys been dating? She finally texts him back. That's none of your business. Now, it was at this moment, Chen felt like she had officially slipped away from his grip. She was out of control, he felt. He was frustrated, upset, and he couldn't even look himself in the mirror. And he just kept thinking, G did this. I think it's easier for him to think that G did this versus Lou did this because he just feels like, oh, it's not because she doesn't like me or doesn't love me or doesn't want to listen to me. It's because G is this manipulative, forceful person and she is the one that's controlling Lou right now. Lou's not even thinking straight. G's the one that got her a new boyfriend. She's the reason for all of this. So that night, Chen goes back home, but with some supplies. He had a very long fruit knife, a fresh change of clothes and a bottle of whiskey. He grabs a go bag with all of his things and he leaves for G's place. Now, at around 11 p.m., G asks Liu, is Chen gone? Did he leave your workplace? Did he follow you to work? And she said, I think so. I think he's gone, but I'm scared. Do you mind waiting for me at the subway stop and we can walk back to your place together? So the thing is, G would actually get to the subway stop an hour before Liu. So she'd be waiting at the subway stop for an hour. And this is a relatively small town in Tokyo, so it's not going to be like one of those great underground subway stops with like a bunch of shops and stuff. It's probably just dim and like literally a desolate train stop. 
So she's like, okay, yeah, I'll just wait at the subway stop for you. So around 11 to about midnight, Chen was camped out near the apartment building, just hiding in the dark spots. He even sent Liu a voice message while he was hiding. So on WeChat, you can send like a voice message, right? Mm -hmm. Liu opened it and she noticed something peculiar. She heard the sound of a train nearby. And she realized that Chen didn't have a train station near his house, but Ji did. So she knew in her bones that Chen was probably near Ji's house. Now, Liu is supposed to go meet Ji at the train station. So instead of giving her a heads up, she just texts her, hey, we should meet at A3 exit, like the exit door A3. She doesn't tell her that Chen might be there or that he's angry, filled with rage, or that he threatened he would do something reckless or that she heard the train station noise. She didn't tell Ji any of that. So Ji thought, okay, we're just meeting here. Nothing serious. I mean, it's really dangerous to not tell G. Yeah. I just don't know why you wouldn't tell G. It's just also another extra pair of eyes when you're walking home. So G waits an hour at the train stop for Liu, and the two of them, they start walking towards the apartment. Now, this neighborhood was really dark, so this part of Tokyo is not super populated. They walk in the dark, very quiet, and around midnight, November 3rd of 2016, Chen is there, gulping down some whiskey, and he sees two girls, and he starts following them. Now, Ji lived on the second floor, and the girls were walking through the second floor hallway, and they hear footsteps behind them. The hallway is pretty thin, and you can't really walk side by side. I mean, you could, but it, it just wouldn't be comfortable. Even like in a big hallway, you don't really. So Ji um, was walking behind Liu. Liu had the house key as well, and they're walking. And now Ji heard some footsteps behind her. So she starts walking a bit more briskly because I'm sure the whole thing is really uneasy. It's, it's late at night. Even if she didn't think it was Chen, I mean, it's, it's still kind of creepy. Liu, I guess, was getting nervous too because it said that she rushed to room 201, pushed the key in, rushed in, and Ji had one foot in the door about to run in behind her. And Chen said, Liu was so scared, she pushed Ji out of the room to lock the door. Chen say that? Yes. Wow. So I can see it because it's like, if you're just thinking time-wise, it is faster to kick someone out, I guess, and lock it versus having them come in, move them out of the door. Because again, this is a very small unit. So I'm sure to lock the door, it's like you need to, does that make sense? I mean, just like she closed the door. She shut the door. Yeah. Instead of letting the friend in. Whatever reason it may be, she just closed the door in front of the friend. Yeah. And allegedly even pushed the friend out to lock the door. Right. So G starts jiggling the handle like, can you open the door? Can you open the door? And that is when Chen put his hand on her shoulder. She started to scream. She sees Chen face to face with a knife in his hand, bloodshot eyes, and half of his face was covered with a mask. So he quickly covers her mouth and he starts banging on the door for Liu to open up. And Liu was panicked. She's screaming at Chen like, I've locked the door already. So just stop. I'm not letting you in. And I don't know if she maybe thought like he wasn't going to kill anyone or do anything. She just thought, oh, he's using G as a way to get into the apartment. They also hear the sound of Liu calling the police from inside the room. And about a minute and 30 seconds after Liu calls the police, you can hear G screaming in the background. In the phone call. In the phone call. Chen was stabbing G in the neck over 10 times. There was blood everywhere. He only stopped because he knew that the police were coming now and he knew that G wouldn't survive. And also the handle of the knife broke off so he couldn't stab her anymore. Now the police arrive and they rush G to the hospital but she had died from her wounds two hours later. 
G, who was kind enough to let Lou stay in her room, could not expect that she would die in front of her room because she was locked out by Lou and was killed by Lou's ex-boyfriend. So later that day, Japanese police, they alert G's mom, like, hey, your daughter was killed. And she's like, what? No, that's impossible. I talked to her last night. So we find out that G was on the phone with her mom eight minutes before being stabbed by Chen. What? And her mom was like, that doesn't make sense. How could she die out of nowhere? She's young. She's healthy. This is confusing. And immediately, G's mom hops on a plane to see her, to see Liu. And she just wanted to know everything about what happened. She wanted to get to Japan to ID her daughter's body, to find out what to do, but also talk to the police and talk to Liu, the only other person that was there. G's mom said she just had no hope for life. She just wanted to commit suicide in that moment. When she went to ID her daughter's body, she said, how could she be so full of life one second and now a cold corpse? They also had to shave her head completely for the surgeries. She was nude under the sheet during the ID. So, I mean, it was just a lot. Now, G's mom was determined the last thing she would do in her life is to get her daughter justice, the full force of justice. She was going to make sure that the killer got the death penalty. Now, in Japan, it's rather hard to get the death penalty because you have to be able to prove that it was um, especially cruel, essentially. And typically, people who murder just one person don't get the death penalty. So G's mom is texting Liu, can I, like, can I see you? Can I talk to you? I need to know what happened that night. What happened with my daughter? None of this is making sense. Did you see the killer? And Liu just kept responding with, I can't bear to tell you. I can't say anything right now. Auntie, I know that you're sad. And also, you probably hate me right now. And I'm afraid and I hate myself too. But you, you can even get even with me in the future. But we should get united to find the murderer. I've been trying to assist the police. And I'm going to tell you everything I did in the process of being investigated. But right now, I can't tell you anything. I'm so sorry. I promise I will tell you the full truth after the investigation. So G's mom is told by the police that Leo's boyfriend was initially a suspect. And she was so upset by this. Like, why wouldn't even Leo tell me something like this? Mm -hmm. Just be like, hey, I don't know for sure, but it might be my ex-boyfriend. He was really abusive. But she knows for sure. Exactly. You know? So, so none of this makes sense. Yeah. And she, uh, you know, G's mom is rightfully upset about this. And she posts it onto her social media, demanding justice for G. Mm -hmm. So it was mainly more like, hey, let's find this killer, this alleged ex-boyfriend. We're going to put him to justice. It, I'm sure a little bit had to do with Lou, but it was really about finding the killer. Mm -hmm. That night, Lou texts G's mom about that post. She said, could you please calm down? I'm trying to cooperate with the police every day to give G and you an explanation as soon as possible. The murderer hasn't been found as of now. I'm not hiding from you. I just can't see you yet because there's a lot of uncertain things. And the murderer, like I said, isn't found. So I can't give you a full explanation of what happened. Now, posting every single detail you know online is only going to make it difficult to arrest the killer, to arrest the murderer. I was told to not talk to anyone but the police. The groundless articles that you're posting right now, they're arousing suspicion amongst the public and it's harming me. I have nothing more to say to you. If you're happy to see the public criticize me, and I, you know, I've been worried about you. I even asked the police about you since the moment that you came to Japan. But you let these netizens, which is like internet people, you let these internet people criticize me like this. I don't hate you. 
but you've hurt me. And I don't think I even want to see you after this problem is resolved. But don't worry, I will still risk my life to find the murderer for G, which is the only thing I promise you. But it's confusing because she also ends it with, I will stop assisting the police if such news appears again. So she's like, oh, but you post something like that again and I'm not even working with the police. See, the mom only posted it because she refused to talk. Yeah. And what's so frustrating is she was the last person. She, she was at the crime scene. Yes. And she was claimed to be her best friend. She's acting like she's not even a part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. like, I don't know why you guys are asking me questions. And it's like, because you were the last one to see what happened. You probably saw the killer. You know exactly every single step that was taken. Yeah. You heard G die. There was literally just a door, a very thin door separating you two. So, of course, there's going to be a bajillion questions. And, of course, it's your duty to answer them to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. And then it went from, G's my best friend and I love her so much. She's like my soul sister. And it went from, she's my best friend so much that I moved in with her to, I mean, I don't really know what happened. It's like suddenly this friendship meant nothing to you. Suddenly her doing all of these things for you meant nothing. So G's mom responds with, Leo, I don't hope for such news. You can go through the articles that I reposted. I didn't hurt you at all. Meanwhile, five days after the murder, Chen is arrested as a suspect. A few days after that, Ji's funeral was held in Tokyo. Liu didn't even show up. She never even replied to Ji's mom's text about Chen's arrest because I'm sure Ji's mom was like, hey, this was your ex-boyfriend, right? He was mm-hmm. arrested. Can you tell me more? What else happened? She just cut off all communication, which then caused Ji's mom and the rest of the public to be very suspicious of Liu. Why are you being so evasive? You could literally just say, my ex-boyfriend was abusive and evil and he killed my friend to get to me or, you know, maybe G sacrificed. Like That also, you know, it does show, because, you know, like everybody's saying, like, what happened there? Did she lock the door? Did she push her out? The fact that she's trying to avoid just made it seem more guilty. Like you're hiding something, right? So whether you're hiding or not, just come clean. But now she's getting mad because, oh, why are you guys suspecting me of doing something? But it's like, because you're you're the one that's being suspicious. Exactly. We just want to know what happened. So it does. There's this huge debate online, this huge discourse of did she or did she not lock the door? And judging by her actions, it seems like she locked the door. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, regardless. But like, I mean, right. So she could literally just come out and say, this was my ex-boyfriend. He was abusive. I was hiding at G's place to get away from him. And this is what happened and she could explain. And I don't think the public would say, oh, shame on you. Because why? She's also a victim. They'd say, shame on this man. What's wrong with this guy? Would they really be mad at her? I don't think so. And I'm saying like uh, the public wouldn't be mad at her minus the locked door situation. So if she was just like, this is how it happened and it didn't look like she locked her friend out, I don't think the public would have been mad. That's what I'm trying to say. Then on May 21st, 2017, This is a really long time after, and uh, G's mom is still more confused. So they're waiting for the trial, but she just doesn't have any answers. No conclusions, nothing. On top of that, Liu needs to testify at Chen's trial for this to be a slam dunk case. And right now, G's mom has no idea where Liu's at. She has no idea where her mind is at. Is she going to testify? Because as of right now, she's not saying anything. She's not cooperating with anyone. So G's mom posts on social media asking anyone if they know where Liu lives because she was refusing to talk to her. She refused to talk to G. She wanted answers. It's been 200 days since the day of the crime. If I'm not mistaken, I think Liu and 
her whole family blocked yes. the mom. Yeah, so, so they can't, she can't reach out. Yeah, so when you block someone, it's like you're blacklisting them. They yeah. can't reach out at all. And yeah. the fact that they did that is just really disgusting. Yeah. So she can't even ask, like, hey, can we just please meet once? I mean, yeah. it's been 200 days since the crime. Now, the minute that she posts that, Lou's parents unblock her and immediately reach out. Very aggressively, I might add. They said, you have one day to withdraw that post. And Lou even gave a couple words. She said, I didn't refuse to testify at the beginning. I just didn't want to contact you. I've told the Japanese police to let me know in advance if they need me for anything that's trial related. I'm still mad at the situation for becoming like this. I'm not God. You think I can just snap my fingers and see the future and figure out when the court dates are? I don't know that. And so then G's mom responds with, do I really have to listen to everything you say? Like, are you even a human right now? Why am I not a human? How am I not a human? Why are you even talking to me like that? Then Liu's mom calls Ji's mom on the phone and the call was recorded. Ji's mom starts off by saying, you know, why would Ji have been killed? It doesn't make sense. This is Liu's ex-boyfriend. Why was Ji killed? And Liu's mom is screaming at her through the phone. And she says, I don't know. Maybe she just has a short life and that was her destiny. She's not dead because of my daughter, that's for sure unbelievable some of the things that this whole family said it's unbelievable it's like how do you find people who are so vile if these people were in a movie or a book you'd be like oh they're they're not a complex character like they literally symbolize evil and it's just no this is really bad character development that's who they are Mm -hmm. to say that maybe your daughter's destiny was just to have a short life So a little while later, all the social media posts exposing Liu and her family were deleted for invasion of privacy by the social media platforms. At that point, I think everybody found out everything about them, like where they live, what they do, where they're from, just everything's public. And then, you know, the the platform just came in. So G's mom, I mean, she's getting so fed up by this. So she printed a thousand flyers with Liu and her parents' information, passed them out on the streets near Liu's hometown in Qingdao City. Qingdao, yeah. And also just to add to that, the reason the mom posted all that, their information online, mm-hmm. is because they refused to get in contact with her. Yeah. Like she tried months and oh, months yeah. and months to get in contact with them. And they just, they refused to talk to her. And this is her like, desperate like last ditch please please internet help me get in contact with this family just one time for my daughter's justice and i mean i i can't really blame her you can say maybe it's not right but imagine the passion yeah if you are in her shoes you wouldn't act that's what i'm saying like from the third party party perspective you're like oh well maybe she shouldn't have done that but if that were you and that's your kid no one is gonna sit there and say maybe i shouldn't be doing this right now you'd be doing anything you can Mm -hmm. I don't really like doing chores around the house. I'm going to be honest with you. And I especially used to hate doing laundry. It was just one of my more tedious tasks. It takes so much time and I often feel tempted to not even bother sorting out my clothes. But I've been trying to motivate myself to get a lot more organized. And I finally found a way to make doing my chores so much more interesting, so much more engaging. And that's by listening to audiobooks on Audible. You guys know me. There is nothing like playing a good psychological thriller. So obviously that's what I've been listening to. I'm currently listening to The Housemaid by Frida McFadden. The main character, Millie, is out on parole and she's desperate for her job. She doesn't have any money. She's living out of her car and she gets this opportunity to be this rich family's housemaid. Millie agrees, 
even though there's just something really strange about the Winchesters. Especially the wife, Nina. She just seems to love finding ways to make Millie's life very difficult. The family is hiding something and Millie is hiding something and there's just so much tension between Millie and the husband. It's one of those stories that you can't stop listening to and I can't wait to finish it and start the next audiobook in this series. But if Thriller is not your thing, don't worry. Audible lets you pick from thousands of titles to find the perfect soundtrack to your day. You can find audiobooks from any genre, fiction, nonfiction, wellness, self-help. But they also have podcasts like this one, guided wellness programs, comedy, and originals. Living life without using Audible is like eating food with no seasoning. Sure, you still get your nutrients in, but it's missing that extra flavor, you know? So if you want to spice up your day, I highly recommend Audible. Audible members can keep one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. New members can try Audible now free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 500. That's audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 500 to try Audible free for 30 days. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So, I mean, Lou's family, they get fed up by all this media attention and press, and Lou agreed to meet with G's mom with a journalist present. So all of this is like documented. I actually saw the footage of that. Oh God, it's it's, it's wild. Yeah. So G's mom just kept asking, did you or did you not lock the door? Why are you being so invasive? Did you lock the door on my daughter? And G's mom, I mean, she's so traumatized that she's even recording. Mm-hmm. So you can see her recording Liu's face. And Liu says, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, auntie. You can yell at me. You can even hit me. But please put down your phone and talk to me, which I just really hate this because the way that you were talking to her through WeChat and texting her was so vile and disgusting. Mm -hmm. But suddenly you're like, please just talk to me. Put down your phone as if all I ever wanted to do was talk to you. Like she was forced basically by the Internet to meet the mother. And her whole act in front of the mother is all, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And she's crying. But what she was texting her is disgusting. Disgusting. So it's definitely, this is literally for the internet. She's like, hi, internet, please don't hate me anymore. Look at how nice I am. So the journalist is there recording this whole thing. And she just keeps saying, auntie, I've been hoping to meet you. But I didn't know how to say it. And so G's mom, I don't know how she did it. The amount of strength and patience that this woman has, she says, it's okay that you don't know how to say it. I just want to ask you though, are you in any way related to my daughter's death? I was really close with your daughter. She was, and she's like trying to describe her daughter, I assume. So she interrupts her and is like, just answer me. Are you related to her death? I think I am. Because she got the short end of the stick for me. Are you related to her death? Just say yes or no. Yes, because it was my ex-boyfriend who killed her. So why did you decide to meet with me today, Lou? What was the reason? Well, I've heard from a lot of journalists and I think I misunderstood you. I want to come to apologize. I was just hoping, what are you apologizing for? I'm sorry for judging you 
in the comments that I made online. Ah, that's why you're here. Yeah, so your reputation is more important than my daughter's life, right? To you and your whole family, your reputation is more important than G's life? No, no, auntie, no, it's not. Am I wrong? We've been tolerating and I I didn't say anything and I've been resisting. Auntie, really? You've been resisting? Resisting what? Like killing me? What are you resisting? Please enlighten me. No, no, no. That's not what I... Then how? what are you resisting? From the first day that G was killed, I really just wanted to see her best friend. The one that was living with her. The one that she regarded as her only family in Japan. So I texted you on WeChat, but you didn't respond. And then you respond because I post this article and it aroused suspicion amongst the public and it has harmed you and, oh, you're not going to see me anymore. And even if the problem is resolved, you don't respond back to me on WeChat. Your parents have me blocked. I have no choice but to try to go to your house, but you're not there. I just wanted to talk to you and I just wanted to ask you. The only other party that that's there, the only other witness about the reason that my daughter was killed. I just want to know the truth. I also just want to know what my daughter was like in that last moment. And your whole family has blocked me just because I put your name online? Because your reputation is more important than my daughter's life? Where's your conscience? No, it's, it's not. Early that morning, I posted articles online revealing your family because I had no choice. And then that afternoon... You texted me a threatening letter asking me to withdraw my article within one day or you wouldn't testify in court against your ex-boyfriend. That's what you said, right? Yes, that is what I said. I posted the articles May 21st. Your dad called me two days later threatening to sue me. And your mom yelled at me saying that my daughter's destiny was to have a short life and that you had nothing to do with her death. Is that not true? Yes, it's true, but it was all said out of anger. Out of anger? It was my daughter who died. I know, I know. So you feel sorry for the life of your family being impacted by this. Not sorry because G, my daughter, sacrificed herself for you. You're not realizing any of your fault in this at all. Listen, auntie, I also feel really sad for her death. I really do. Ma, yes, you're sad, you feel sorry. Well, guess what? On New Year's Eve, I held my dead daughter's belongings hearing the sound of fireworks. On New Year's Eve, you changed your profile picture and took a selfie. You live happily and you take nothing from this. You have no consequences, no remorse. Your tears are not a confession or an apology. Let me ask you, why didn't you open the door? Did you lock her out? Explain it to the public. Okay, let me explain. That day, I asked her to wait for me. She said that she was already at the station. I didn't ask her for anything more. I just asked if she could wait for me, and she agreed. We have a WeChat text history, so you can, you can check that. Like, I didn't plan for any of this to happen. I just asked her to wait for me so we could walk home together. Well, wait. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Liu, but I never ever mentioned that you conspired with your ex. What do you mean I didn't plan for this to happen? I never once said that you planned for my daughter to be killed. But I I have to tell you the reason why I went home first, like went into the apartment first. I was on my period that day. And uh, I I told G and when we were near the iron door, which, you know, is like the downstairs of our place, almost near the iron door. And her mom interrupts. G's mom says, her home, not yours, hers. Yeah, 
her home, almost near the iron door. And she said that I need she needed to use the restroom, but I was on my period. So I said that I would rush in first and get changed and then use the restroom. And she said, okay, sounds good. So I'm assuming maybe the apartment was too small for her to get changed without her seeing or something of that sort. So she's just trying to say like, oh, I was going to go in and get changed and she was going to wait outside. I don't buy that. Yeah, I, I don't buy that like, either. I never. Can, can you imagine that? No, because imagine every single day she has to go outside and wait in the hallway while she changes. Like exactly, it doesn't make sense. And I feel like girls are really comfortable. Like even you're always shocked because I'm always changing in front of my girlfriends. Yeah, like, nobody steps outside. Like you to, turn around. Yeah, exactly. But she's like, yeah, and so I rushed home to change. Now she started asking me to open the door quickly when I was in there changing and using the restroom, but I was already in the bathroom. So I'm hearing her scream. Then I rush to open the door and I'm like pulling my pants up at the same time. And after she screams, I open the door about an inch, but it wouldn't open more. It's like stuck. So I look through the people and I heard, stop that. Open this door. I try to open the door again and it wouldn't open. So I shouted and shouted like the door's not opening. The door's not opening. And I called the police and I went to the bathroom and I called the police again. Lou, are you sure you didn't lock the door? Really? I didn't lock the door. Are you sure? Yes. Let me ask you one more time. Are you sure you didn't lock the door? Yes, because the door was open when the police came. So you didn't lock the door from the inside, right? Really, auntie, I didn't. Okay, keep going. Then the police come and they asked me not to move, but to sit in the hallway. And auntie, I was so scared at that time. I was so frightened. I didn't go out. I really didn't know it was Chen who did it. And also, I didn't know what happened outside. I admit it. I'm a coward. And I didn't go and look until the police came. And I'm sorry, auntie. Stop it. Don't apologize to me. You said that you opened that door about an inch and that you tried to open the door, but it closed suddenly. Yes, it closed suddenly. Okay. Then let me ask you, did Chen come for you or for Ji? I'm not sure about that. He came for me that afternoon. But did he come for you or Ji that night? I don't know. I didn't see him at night. Okay, good. I, I believe you. I'm asking God. I'm going to ask God. But if this is true, you don't have to admit that you're a coward. All girls would have been scared, including Ji. And I think Ji's mom thought about the story and I think that she prayed on it and she starts sobbing and Liu tries to comfort her and she screams at her, don't get close to me. I'd rather be stabbed 10 times. My God, 10 stabs. Why didn't you just let her in the room? She said that the door was not closed. She felt it. She knew it. She's like, I know that you closed the door like you locked the door. Why couldn't she get in the room? That doesn't make sense. You came home with her. How couldn't she have come in the room? Mm -hmm. That's true. So this is pretty much the meeting. And uh, Lou and her family later told reporters that she wasn't allowed to see G's mom, not because she locked the door, but because police wanted to protect her confidentiality for the case. She wasn't allowed to meet with anyone involving the crime, including G's mom. She also said explicitly, I did not lock the door during the time of the crime. Meanwhile, Chen claims that she did. Chen also confessed to the murder and he was going to trial that year. Ji's mom was really pushing for the death penalty, which a lot of people felt like she wasn't going to get because there was only one death. And with all the publicity, all the conspiracy surrounding Liu, Ji's mom was able to get a petition out with 4.5 million people signing it. Wow. Wanting Chen to be sentenced to death. 
At first, most of the attention was in China. Even though the trial and the crime took place in Japan, a lot of it, a lot of the conversation and the discourse was in China because you're talking about three Chinese students. Mm-hmm. Now, through the petition, though, because everyone's like 4.5 million signatures on a petition, a lot of Japanese citizens were made aware of this case. So they started protesting too. So the trial starts and Chen claims that Liu passed Ji a knife. Wait, what? So Chen decides he's going to do self-defense as his defense. Chen is like, okay, I get to the apartment and Liu is in the house and she passes Ji a knife and Ji's trying to stab me. So I grabbed the knife and I stabbed her by accident while trying to disarm her. But then she like kept going at me. So I stabbed her like 10 times in the neck. This obviously didn't work because they found the receipt that showed that he purchased that specific knife. But Mm -hmm. I mean, mean, that's literally premeditated. But the judge said, I don't know, maybe you wanted to kill Liu, but ended up killing Ji instead. So as the final judgment, we don't think it's premeditated. You will be sentenced to 20 years in prison. That's crazy. And Ji's mom broke down crying. She plans to sue him the minute that he's released and comes back to China, which will be in 2037. And meanwhile, there's a lot of discourse. Should Liu be legally responsible or be liable morally for this crime? First of all, to say that you would have opened the door, I mean, I think that we all think that as humans, but humans are strange. We have very strong survival instincts. Mm-hmm. But again, I still don't agree with it because I'd like to think that I, I, could, I don't think I could ever live with myself for doing something See, like that. Okay, so the problem everybody had hurt it's her, her after. Is, yes, it's yes. not the fact that you lock the door. Lock the door and you're scared. Like everybody is scared. But the fact that you avoided her and you attacked the yes. mom and you accused the mom of a lot of things that she say online. Oh, we're going to get into triggering. that. She accused the mom of profiting off her daughter's death. Yeah, she's just vile. Yeah, she's really disgusting. So, I mean, I think that in itself is a conversation that I, I do think that the internet would have had a conversation. Like, yeah. would you have locked the door? And then I think there would have been the argument of like, we all would say we wouldn't lock the door, but you don't know until you're there. But it was after mm-hmm. everything that happened. And you have to remember that G literally took her in and saved her. Yes. The least you could do is give her a heads up before you even get to the train station. Why wouldn't you tell G like, hey, we need to be extra careful today because I called him and like he sent me this voice chat message. We need to be like, we need to be alert. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why you wouldn't do something like that. G is like the definition of the best friend that you wish you had, yes. right? They gave you a place to stay. They take care of you. They even waited for you at the place. They, for an they, hour. They help you out. Just doing all the right things. Yes. And I think people are mad. She did everything right. And look where she ended up being. That that makes everybody really cold in their heart. Like, yes. hey, that makes you question next time. Should you help your friend? It makes you feel really skeptical about the whole world. Like cynical. Yeah, exactly. You start changing your life perspective. And also, even before that, a lot of people have a problem with... Why didn't you just call the police when Ji told you to, when Chen was there and you were home alone? Because even that, they think that Chen, the whole hatred for Ji started there. Seeing her face to face and Ji sternly telling him, this is my place and you need to leave or I'll call the cops. Even the 911 call allegedly sounds like Ji was locked out. And why did Liu act like she didn't really know who the killer was in the beginning? Like she was like, I don't know, like they're not arrested yet, so I can't really talk to you. I mean, she knew who the killer was, was... That a surprise? I don't think so. 
And allegedly, Liu later after the trial created a second account on social media and started spreading lies that Ji's mom was benefiting from her daughter's death and was just trying to become famous. And during the holidays, this is what Liu did. She sent Ji's mom duck neck and pigeon meat. So these are very symbolic and uh, it's not because like the part of the body that they are from. These are, so jiang ge, ge mm-hmm. kind of sounds like pigeon. Ge is, it, it's the same pronunciation as pigeon. So a lot of people called her like little pigeon as her nickname. Mm-hmm. So to send pigeon meat after she died and then duck neck because she was stabbed in the neck 10 times and she died from blood loss from her neck injuries. And then Leo texted G's mom, I hope you and your family, knowing damn well that all G's mom had was G. She didn't have a husband. She didn't have, like, I mean, sure, she had some relatives, but this was her main family. She said, I hope you and your family have joy and happiness during the holidays. Jesus. Then slowly after some time passed, Lou felt like it was time to come back onto her main social media account, which by the way, when she came back, she hired a PR management team and she wanted to come back as a Weibo influencer. She did come I back. I mean, as yeah, she influencer. was successful at it, yeah. which is shocking. Oh, another another thing, she hired we call it xieshou, which is just writer, uh, internet writer. Ugh. She actually hired a lot of internet writer to spread rumor. And there's these writers are so disgusting. So a lot of them will do it for money. Some of them will even do it for free. Disgusting. Oh they just, God. what they do is they spin the story around yeah. and attack the other party. And they're so good at it. They will attack everything like, oh, what's the mom's motive after this? Why is the mom doing things this way? The things they say are so disgusting. What's scary is there are a part of people who get influenced by them. They read the article, they're like, oh, wow, I see this mom has problems. You know, so that's what's so scary about this case. So she comes back just attacking G's mom. And uh, this is one of her first posts back. I am indeed related to G's death, but it doesn't mean that I did something wrong. You asked me and G, referring to G's mom, you asked me and G to take care of each other at the airport, right? But you make an issue of me staying at her house all of a sudden? So you can take advantage of others, but others can't do that? Let alone, I paid the rent. And it's the only, I pity you. That's why I endure your resentment. That's the only reason. If you think I locked the door, then you can take action against me with evidence. You can even yell at me if you want. But you are so vile. And you give likes to these blogs that post my nude photos shamelessly. So she's saying that G's mom was liking a blog post and that blog had posted her nude photos. Now, um, I tried to look into it. From what I can tell from the sources that I had transcribed, her nude photos of her were, and I'm not saying that this is okay, but they weren't fully nude. It was like her in a tank top. So I do know that in Eastern culture, that is a lot like less modest, I guess, but it wasn't like a full on like nude. Yeah, just she's just spinning. Yeah, exactly. So it's like her. And then another thing was like, people were like, but you go to the, the beach in bikinis, which is more scandalous than that tank top one. So why are you considering that one a nude? Maybe you weren't the one that posted, but it's weird, right? She said, stop being such a foul person under the disguise of morality. No matter as a woman or a mom, you utilize a woman's privacy to attack others. And I think that shows your character. So Liu is referring to G's mom. So at one point, G's mom kind of... uh, Return the favor. Remember how Liu had sent pigeon neck and duck or pigeon meat and duck neck? 
she sent, G's mom sent Lou a wreath and little coffins. And so she said, Auntie, the little coffin and the other stuff you and your team sent in this year was precious. I feel so much love from it. I know the symbolicism of a coffin and it symbolizes I will be reborn and have great love in life. Our whole family has received little coffins sent by you. And I extend my heartfelt thanks for your deep love. After sending you our specialty, pigeon meat, duck neck, and so on, I feel that those don't really represent my love for you. So I'm going to prepare something. Wonton stuffed with pigeon meat and old hen. With good care over the past year, which I know it's going to cost you too much money. So I went to the market. I bought a live hen, which was not allowed to be delivered. So I need to kill it by stabbing it in the neck first. Or maybe I can strangle it. But this is all cruel. So I'll stop illustrating it for you. And then I'll send it to you. And you can put the wontons in soup for extra nutrition. Oh, and please keep sending me the little coffins to my family next year. I've persuaded my family to open up a funeral shop. And thank you for your continuous supply. Here's the crazy thing. You're like, wow, this person is vile and I hate her guts. She has fans. She has, she has fans. Lou even got 50,000 won donated by fans that she took. Which is almost like $10,000 yeah. donation. Just from like being online. Like, you know how you can get like gifts on TikTok lives and YouTube streams? Yeah, just donations. It wasn't until December 2019 that the social media platforms were like, maybe we should shut down her account. Oh, her account was yeah. taken down? Okay. I'm sure she's making new ones or trying, right? But it gets shut down. And uh, October 2019, a couple months before that, G's mom filed a lawsuit against Liu. Liu also changed her name to Liu Nuanxi but, uh, because of the bad press, which is fascinating because she changes her name under the disguise of like, I got to change my name because I'm getting so much bad press and I'm getting harassed. But with her new name, she's going on social media, making jokes about G's death and being like, yeah, I'm that girl. So you're doing these things and being like, oh, I'm so sad. My life has been ruined. I got to change my name. And then you're going back out onto the internet to be like, hey, I'm Lou. What? A lot of netizens says she can't change her ungratefulness like she can change her name. And then G's mom suffered even more because Lou had amassed some fans and they started bullying her online. They said things like, G's mom just needs to mess up more lives, huh? Is she going to be satisfied then? Is she going to be happy then? She just needs money. She just wants money. That's all she wants. G's mom went on to sue some of these people who made disgusting remarks about her. In 2020, Shanghai court sentenced Tan Bin to 1.6 years in prison for oh, libel. Those are, those are the internet the writers. writers. Disgusting people. Then March 2022, another woman attacking G and her mom unreasonably online was sentenced to a year in prison. In 2021, another seven people were sued by G's mom for defaming her online. And the hearings started for G's mom suing Liu. They took place and they started April 15th of 2021. And the verdict came like this. G deserves praise and compensation as she offered emergency aid to Liu. But Liu, as Ji's friend and the one receiving this aid, did not express gratitude and comfort to the relatives of the deceased, but instead aggravated the pain of the mother with improper online posts, which should be condemned. Liu should compensate Ji's mom $110,000 in total for financial loss, mental impairment, and should bear all the processing fees for this case. That's only about 20 grand, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And G's mom said that she would donate the money to students. 
And that also shut down like people saying like, she oh, is money. she money hungry? Exactly. And a lot of law experts said that this is actually a really big compensation for such a crime. Really? Yeah. They said it's going to set a high precedent moving forward. So, I mean, it's been years now, but G's mom said she's still sad. She's in despair and there is still online hate coming towards her every single day. My fiance told me about this case and he said that there's a lot of discourse online, a lot of conversation and argument. And I think I'm confused because what is there to argue? Yeah, it's, I, I really like someone commented. They're saying this case is like a mirror. You really see what kind of person you are. Like the people who's supporting Liu. Oh God. It, it, it really shows what kind of people, like even if you're taking her side for whatever reason, it just shows what you believe. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, though. Like, you're putting a mirror up. Like, whoever side you're on, because I would I would hope that most of you guys listening right now are not on Leo's side. I mean, I don't think... Yeah, no, I can't even... I'm trying to think of, like, one thing to say about that, but I there's nothing. If it was just the way she handled it before the murder, fine. If it was even locking the door, I'm sure we could argue about it for hours. But, like, after the fact... How can you even take her side with how much harm she's doing to the victim's family? What she's posting on the duck neck, the pigeon's meat. Despicable. But I hope you guys enjoyed today's mini-sode. Um, let me know. What are your thoughts on this case? Have you guys heard about it? And I hope you guys enjoyed and I will see you guys on Wednesday for the main episode. Bye.